0: Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. (sighs) Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your
1: finances, with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions.
0: See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby.
1: Never stop competing.
0: Welcome to the Left Wing podcast in association with Aldi. Spend 30 euro in store for a chance to win 50,000 euro for your primary school. More chances, more prizes, more reason to enter.
1: Konnichiwa, and you're very welcome to the left wing, not very daily, here in Japan, Independent uh, Independent.E's rugby podcast. Um, Jonathan Bradley and myself, Rory O'Connor, here in England's Team Hotel in Shinjuku in Tokyo. I think this is our third last podcast, Jonathan. Uh, we're winding down. We're, we're definitely becoming less regular, less disciplined. doesn't help that we're staying in different cities, so it's a bit hard to logistically pull it all together. But uh, how are you doing? We've semi-final weekend over. We've got our England-South Africa final to look forward to and um, a repeat of 2007 and uh yeah it's all it's all building towards a, a, a culmination
0: yeah it's um hurtling into view now the final it feels uh feels very closer properly into the week now i think we're um certainly in the pressers today it's all well apart from a few sort of struggling kiwi media looking for all blacks lines it's all very much focused on what's coming now rather than rather than what's been so it's exciting i think we've got a a good final in store. We'll get on to it later, but I think uh I think we're both probably gonna go with one one
1: clear winner, I would say. Yeah, no, no, I'm not sure. I I have I've have a bit of a feeling that the box are playing. Razzy Rasmus is good at a long game, I've a feeling about the box, but we'll we've a lot of time to talk about the final. We we were both at, at both of the semifinals in, in your hometown the Oklahoma at the weekend. <laughs> um I mean two very different games, two well one very unforgettable experience. To, to be at I think that hacker at the start the uh, flying V in, in response the um, way England flew out of the traps a la Dublin in, in February hammered the All Blacks in every department apart from the scoreboard and then 24 hours later a snooze fest with sort of most neutrals leave, like there genuinely a lot of neutrals left at half time and um, I think one will live long in the memory a lot more than the other but the Maybe Saturday night we'll start with it. A um, lot, lot of water to bridge this stage. England are already talking about moving on, but we can linger in in, in what was a pretty special performance. Can we?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think um, I'm sort of loath to put them in the same bracket, given like the opposition and the context. But the two most, uh, the most impressed I've been leaving our rugby stadium this season have both been England. You mentioned it before um, that game in Dublin, and then this, and it was a similar level of. I think blowing away an opposition that coming into the game we thought were favourites, uh, the physicality that they brought really from from the very start. As you mentioned, even before the kickoff, and they're clearly up for it with uh, Owen Farrell's smirk and uh, Joe Marler wandering indifferently around the. know if uh, they're going to get fined for that, I mean, the All they should everything's set
1: up for them. Like it's 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 completely
0: ridiculous. They shouldn't pay the fine. They should just refuse to pay it. It's um it's a ridiculous concept that. You're going to get fined for straying across the halfway line in order to respect the hacker. I think that you should, it it definitely has its place in the game, absolutely. But this idea that um, you can't do anything in response to it is ridiculous. Nearly every
1: memorable hacker has had some sort of response to it, whether it's like, you know, Richard Cockrell going going nose to nose, Willie Anderson charging it, the Welsh lingering for. I couldn't, you know, felt like an eternity afterwards. Even the Anthony Foley figure of eight. Maybe these are most of these are some of these are our New Zealand defeats. So maybe that's why we remember them most. But otherwise, it's just, you know, just another piece of theater. And like I like that. I mean, I don't. It's, it is an advantage New Zealand. But you know, I think growing up watching it, it, I would hate to deprive future generations of that element of theater. And it does set rugby as being slightly different. But like that made it that moment. Like when they set up in that chevron. And they completely undermined it as well in a really good way like aaron smith was talking about how he uh farrell was winking at him throughout so like i i anyway, should move on to Hacker there because a lot more happened and that that start was you mentioned yourself that was it was almost like dublin was a template for uh in, in the same way dublin three months beforehand was a, was, a, was a template for New Zealand to kind of learn from. This was a template performance from England in the way that they went about it. Now they scored four tries in Dublin. New Zealand didn't give up as much as Ireland did. But it was, uh, the way they start games, it's just incredible. They just come out of the traps. Manitou Laggy scored try both times. 96 seconds or something like that yeah. this time around. I mean, it's, in a game where scoreboard pressure is so important, to get seven points in the first two minutes is just a pretty uh, handy thing to be able to do on a regular basis.
0: Absolutely, and they're just they're so ferocious, and it sets it just sets the tone. I think um, even you know a couple of minutes after that, you had the Manu Tuilagi intercept that could have uh, could have led to a try as well. And in test rugby, you know those margins of advantage are so big, they're so much bigger than um, in-club rugby, provincial rugby, and the way that England were able to build upon that uh, almost sort of spine-tingling response to the haka, and then be up after 100 seconds of the game, and then you just have these markers throughout the game with them where it's, um, you know, Billy Vinopolo was talking about it there, things that are contagious. And you know, you look at—I um, know, like everybody's been speaking about Sam Underhill's performance—but you look at those, some of those tackles. The one on Kieran and um, just before New Zealand score the try, but probably more importantly, after New Zealand score the try, and all of a sudden, for all England's dominance, it's a one-score game. And Jordy Barrett comes onto the ball in midfield, and he's hit so hard by Underhill that he loses the ball forward. And, you know, you could feel it in the stadium and you could almost sense it on the pitch that it was um, very much a way for England to show that, yes, New Zealand have scored, but we essentially gifted you the score through a mistake. Nothing's changed here. We're still in the ascendancy. And just to be able to have those um, little wins, I suppose, and just build upon them and build upon them and build upon them. Don't want to continually go back to Ireland, but it's the inverse of what we heard Ireland talk about, of uh, the contagious nature of mistakes. England are doing it in reverse with just winning moments that seem small, but they just create this bigger picture
1: in, in the way Ireland probably used to do under Joe Schmidt in the, in the kind of 2018 kind of you know year unforgettable year that they had, I mean I don't subscribe to the idea that you know England make Ireland look bad in 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 a way that you know, I think New Zealand were much better against Ireland and didn't bring the same level of performance and I think that's one concern I'd have about England this week is that it's very hard to back up performance of that level. But it, England did show that if you can get to New Zealand, even when they're at their best, you can make them doubt themselves. And when you see an experience, a player with all the experience of Sam Whitelock, you know, flinging on fire to the ground and a piece of discipline that nine times out of 10, he'd never do. And um, they usually rise above that. Or if they're, if they're looking for to get a bit of revenge, they do it far more subtly than that because they are capable of a bit of dark art. I think England just showed that like any team, like England are human as well. If South African can get ahead of England and win the physical battle, England will start looking like a very human team. It's, I'm not gonna say it's very easy to look superhuman in, in, in this sport, but if you get ahead, you get dominance, suddenly everything's going for you. And it I think by getting at the two laggy um you know, up very high they have gotten the, the New Zealand minds so that passing game that they trust. Brian school we were interviewed him, he's stuff in today's papers and on Independent A mm-hmm. um, was talking about Ireland's passing game and how New Zealand's passing game was better than anyone else's and, and you know that was the big difference between the teams but Ireland probably didn't put enough pressure on the passing game. And Ringrose Ring Rose tried to get to um tried to get to uh, Jack Goodhue when he pulled that pass for that try. Um but Ireland didn't get their line speed right, whereas England were in their faces and I think I mean, South Africa won't look to pass in the same way. South Africa will look to go through you rather than go around you. But it was a really smart game plan, and I really like I mean, Eddie Jones is a is a is a person that rubs a lot of people up the wrong way through his press conference persona. We just heard uh, John Mitchell kind of waxing lyrical about his kind-hearted nature in in a in a little chat there with with a couple of journalists. But uh, he's um, he's a good coach, isn't he? I mean, like the, for all the bluster and the kind of press conference bravado that there is there, he obviously has a way of getting through to these players. He's got a ruthless you know, side in terms of his selections, but he's also able to put together a pretty sharp game plan. Yeah, but I think, you know, even when you
0: talk about the press conferences, like I thought last week was a masterclass for him in terms of the media, it really was. I mean, I suppose most people at home, quite rightly, would have been very critical of him over his comments about Johnny Sexton, and I think those were distasteful. But to just take what he did last week you know, you go in, he's not normally up on a whatever day that was, Tuesday. Um, so he has him and Owen Farrell. So immediately he's changed things around and he's setting the tone for the week. He's setting the discourse of what everybody's talking about. And, you know, he throws out the thing about spying. He throws out the thing about Steve Hansen getting an easy ride, New Zealand media being um, fans of typewriters. Fa- fans, <laughs> fans of typewriters. And all of a sudden, nobody's talking about the game. Nobody's talking about... Um, the pressure that his team were under, the biggest game that any of them really will have ever played, and it's just he's a, he was able to set set the discourse to what he wanted, and then you see him come in after the game where he had, I suppose, every right to uh, every right to crew really, but he didn't, you know, and that to me was a sign of the fact that this whole thing that we see Jerry, the week, it's
1: all theater, it's all. Yeah. Um, like and pe- people will say that's not important but like to spend fortunes on pure people that you know he puts a lot of thought into what he does this is it is part of the game it's not obviously the part that everyone fell in love with in the first place and as journalists we obviously enjoy it and probably give it a slightly more important role but it is important like i think setting the agenda around your team and, and the message around your team is important it's, yesterday yesterday had a bit of a, a pop-off warren Gatland, but he kind of seemed to keep us. he's pretty respectful towards the south africans razzy razzman's different kind of character he's not going to laugh and joke and he's quite serious as we know from his days in Munster. he's he's uh, well able to kind of you know spin an a narrative of his own and he was up today out in disneyland we both stayed in tokyo uh objectively to do the podcast but also because it's really far away, <laughs> far away and the, you know there's only yeah. so many times you can hear it's a small world on a little train and it's um,
0: a good hours from Yokohama, so it's, uh, it's a it's a it's a stretch
1: yeah absolutely and um, we haven't got to it yet like i think we're, we're always going to spend more time talking about that match on saturday but um sunday's match was a, a very different uh, affair like they're we looked down from the stand at halftime. You could see people leaving. Then they looked up at the at the at the stand after half time. The uh, there was a lot of blue seats in in the mid that weren't there in the first half. I mean that's pretty shocking indictment when tickets were about at least two hundred euro a pop. Um, it was one of the worst games rugby I've ever uh, watched. We had a dramatic finish, and I think it served the purpose for Razzy Rasmus because I don't think his team extended that much of an effort will be reasonably fresh for a six-day turnaround for a final against a team, you know, having not really played to their best since that first night in Yokohama. Uh,
0: in yeah, I mean it was something I think that Razir Osman even touched on um, last week when he was asked about Cheslin Colby and he was talking about, he was very, very keen to stress don't take this the wrong way but yeah. we're here to win a World Cup and in order to do that we have to plan for a semi-final and the final is going to be six days later. So there's always an element of where, you know, Eddie Jones had had England preparing for that game for two and a half years. Razzi was preparing his team for the next two weeks, which is entirely fair enough, especially when you're the Springboks, you know, nobody's going to be, nobody's going to rem- remember getting beaten in a final, really. That's not going to go down as a success, even though yeah. it should go down as a success, given where they were two years ago. Yeah. But, I do think you're right. I think they were able to hold quite a lot back in reserve. They're such a physical team, but you know, they make a big deal about their bench and um, you know, call themselves the bomb squad. I think it's gonna be a huge um part of the intrigue this week is going to be whether he keeps that bench unit intact and brings them on around the fifty minute mark like he did there, or whether he looks to change it up because there's no doubt about it, like some of his substitutes are better than the guys that are starting, but they yeah. can make such an impact. You know, We've talked a lot about his 6-2 split throughout the tournament. Apart from the try, the most important point of that match was Francois Lowe's turnover. He wins that turnover with a 21 on his back. So... Yeah. If ever you needed an indictment of what he's done with his
1: replacements, there you have it. And then they kick it down, win them all, all try. or and then Sorry, a small penalty. They, they score and then they win them all. Uh, sorry, a scrum penalty down to finish the game out. They're just so powerful. In, and I, I would love to see him start Snaman and have a Snaman versus a Toje. As a former second row, I think that would be just like one of the ultimate battles between two of the hard men in, in the world game. And a Toje was so good on Saturday night. Uh, I've rarely, if ever, seen a player dominate a fixture in the same way. I know O'Mahony he had a, lo- a couple of big moments against New Zealand in, in November, and I wouldn't take away from that. Mm-hmm. But this was like, every every couple of seconds, I told you he was showing up with something different. I mean, destroying the New Zealand, you know, the much-vaunted New Zealand line-out. I think Snyman, while why he doesn't start for the box, and in fairness, I can see why they bring him on for half an hour of destruction. You got to be in the game with half an hour to go. Uh, Razi was fra- flanked by Kitschov and Steiman today. I have a sneaking suspicion he's going to do a bit of rotation this week. That the players that he's kind of kept, given half an hour, half an hour, and half an hour or two, might come into the starting team. And we might see a very different. Like Eddie Jones talked about picking his picking his finishers as starters, which I didn't really understand because he hadn't changed his team that much. Mm-hmm. But I've I have a sneaking suspicion, and we'll obviously preview the game on Friday and the teams or Thursday or Friday. And the teams will have been named by then. That he might go for something slightly different. And I just think Snaman versus Atoje will be one of those battles for the ages.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you're going to have an awful lot of them up front. You talk, you know, a pole against Wayne Vermeulen, that's going to be something special as well. And I think even, like, I don't particularly think that he's going to have this transformative effect on the way that they play or anything, because I don't think... They've particularly built him into their system so much as giving him the ball and just hoping that he does something. Yeah. But to have Cheslin Colby back um, is obviously huge for anybody watching the game as a neutral. I think we both picked him before the tournament as the player we were most looking forward to seeing. And we've seen it in fits and starts because he has
1: taken a few bangs. The, the one time we thought was a New Zealand game. Yeah. And there is a theory out there that they they have two game plans. They've won for New Zealand and one for everyone else because they think they're better than everyone else. And they can play conservatively against everyone else, but against New Zealand, they have to play with a bit more width. And we've seen the Lions in Super Rugby play a much more expansive game plan. So a lot of the players are in there mm-hmm. now. Pollard's not a not a Lions player, but the Clerk is. Like the Clerk was part of one of the most exciting South African teams in, in Super Rugby history before he moved to Sale. Now he's box kicking away to Razzi's plan. And I asked Pollard about this today. How hard is it is it to, stu- to not play rugby for that long? And he said, "Yeah, you got to be really disciplined." I think they're going to play their all blacks game plan against England. I think they're going to be now it's hard to pull that it dust that off and play it after kind of you know this long on the road. But they have the forwards to go through like they have the they have the ball carriers to go through any team even England who are really really powerful. Now I can't see Underhill and Curry making those dominant collision those dominant hits against these boys. Do they have the backline to get around them? I'm not sure like the Allende is an unbelievable carrier but does he have the hands um and is, is is not as good. You know. You, you, then you look at the back three are really, really electric. But Willie De having a bad tournament. He's not. He's not in great form. Um. I mean, Wales never really. Even though they got level, I always had a f- sense that the box would always have enough.
0: There was about a four or five minute period, I think, and that was the only time that you had those sort of seeds of doubts, um, sort of around the seventy minute mark. And then, as you say, like the game really turned on. Um, uh, a turnover there when Wales were attacking. But I think the the reaction to the game, I think, has been interesting to watch because there's an awful lot of people, probably because they won, that are being very critical of the Springboks and the way that they played. But at the same time, Wales played the same way too. You know, yep. there were 81 kicks in the game. Wales had 41 of them. Yeah. You know, I thought for me, that was the dis- one of the disappointing things. You know, you look at a guy like... Jonathan Davis and I know he wasn't fully fit and obviously they'd lost Liam Williams yeah. more more um, I suppose stable but more conservatively halfpenny coming in but like they had the players that could have played a different game and they played in a way that I think you know at half time I think Razzie would have been absolutely delighted with the way that game yeah. was gone.
1: I wonder I don't know they're in bonus territory I think their goal was to achieve their goal was to get to a semi-final and they achieved that goal and I suppose it's hard to criticise a team who've achieved their goal, but they have this once in a lifetime opportunity to get to a final, and it was there for them. They were level with six, seven minutes to go. They and they will have probably lingering uh, regret about the fact that they didn't didn't throw more shots. But then, if they started throwing shots, would the you know would the box have picked them off? Because I think the box were daring them to do it because they knew that they'd win the, mm-hmm. t- the tackle collisions. I mean, I wonder. What would, have, what would our reaction have been like if Ireland had ended up on the other side of the draw and played against, say, not even, so just say they got to a semi-final. I always have, this, have had this thing that Ireland will win a quarter-final eventually and the, the next week they won't show up because it's such an achievement in Irish context to get to a semi-final. Now, Wales have done it t- twice in the three tournaments, but it is very much for a nation of our size and Wales' size, and they're even smaller than we are, you know, it is very much an achievement to get there. So like what, what do you think our reaction would have been if, they, if Ireland had gotten to a semi-final and gone out in that way because I think they were still in the game with six minutes ago. Galen, we'll go hang on a second. We we kept the buck, We lost with three points in the semi-final, and yes, I suppose they had that Patchel drop goal that went wide. Yeah, which was never really a, on I It really was, was unconvincing.
0: Rushed drop goal from the position that they were in, and it was a promising enough position. How but will they look
1: back on it? I suppose
0: such a strange tournament though for Wales. Like yeah. when you take it from, I suppose going back, you know, they're the Grand Slam champions. Yeah. But England are the most impressive Northern Hemisphere team by That's a street. It. England you, played better rugby, yeah. And <laughs> I think we probably all got a bit of um, stick about it in the last week and a half or so of saying that uh, England playing rugby like this and winning the World Cup is good for rugby. But you know, you look at Wales, right? They're all highly saga since winning the Six or winning the Grand Slam. They played so well against Australia, admittedly in a game that turned on a few intercepts. Then they were good against um, Georgia too, but after that, they weren't really that impressive. They should have lost their quarterfinal. They didn't really fire a shot in the semi-final, but at the end, you know, you mentioned it there, they've done something that Ireland have never done, but it almost feels like a tournament that is tinged with a bit of regret, I think purely by the nature of the performances in the knockouts, you have to give them credit because no team in this tournament has lost more front-line players yeah. than they have. You know, Going back to the fact that they lost their out-half in the warm-ups, they had to bring in an out-half who plays in a completely different style, and they played well, but in a completely different style. Yeah. Uh, Falatai, he's their Lions number eight, they lost before the tournament. Liam Williams, he's their best player, they lost for the semi-final. Um, and they are still in you know, five Nibidi, minutes to go. and you know yeah five minutes to go They're and you're very close and there's
1: no scrum Like the players there that we I mean Wales are just this internal in enigma that we've always looked at from an Irish point of view and gone how, how how has Gatlin done that and you know Schmidt got a lot a lot of praise but Gatlin's achievements I mean I know he'll never be loved on our side of the RC, but he, he definitely has he's been a respect I should probably declare an interest in the semi-final I did go to the uh, traditional media match last night which was actually a 7 aside uh, touch rugby tournament and played for a South African and uh, Argentinian uh, conglomerate because um, there was no other Irish players there and all the English lads are too busy to go as well. Um, got to the final, but we were robbed in the final by a, a corrupt Japanese ref who, uh, who gave a horrendous decision against me and... Uh, I also got in a row with a, with a Japanese fellow in the Munster jersey. So no matter where you go in the world, the Sunfecker in <laughs> the Munster jersey is going to start fights, which is pretty impressive. Um, we've only got a few days left in Japan, not Jonathan. Um, have you anything left to take off your box? Uh, it's been a really sort of strange, I suppose, 10 days, I think, because we have
0: literally been too busy to do anything, and then yeah. all of a sudden it's like anything that you did want to do, you're sort of realizing that if you don't do it tomorrow you're not going to do it, like, I haven't been
1: to the Imperial Palace yet, so I'm going to have to do that at some stage. It's a nice 5k loop around it, I've
0: Um, I've done
1: it. Yeah, okay. It didn't didn't do very fast, but it's it's, (laughs) it's definitely doable.
0: I went to the, uh, to the Meiji Shrine yesterday, that was pretty cool, Um, a little bit of quiet in the middle of Tokyo, and, um, signs in English, th- so you could actually read about the history. So learned a few things. That was cool. When well, I for dinner, a lot of the dinner was still alive while it was being cooked in front of us in a tabernaki restaurant. So lovely.
1: Yeah, um, Sc- screaming uh, as it died, or yeah, pretty much. Um, that this is not one for the vegans.
0: No, absolutely not. So I suppose that's an experience that we that we've ticked off now as well. So yeah, um, it's mad to think that you know we've been here for so long, but
1: we're going to be home in six days now. It is, yeah i know it's um i mean it's kind of where i think everyone is, re- is a bit ready for it i think i'm sick of every piece of clothing that i brought on tour my room is a disgrace uh it's been nice to be in tokyo for a good extended period i know you haven't you're in Yokohama, which is as we discussed but it is nice to be in one place for a long time and actually get to see and sense a bit of it because it is a really really cool city um and there's a few more things things to do before we're here now but we will be back with a podcast before the World Cup final. We we'll maybe try and get one of our English or South African colleagues on to get a bit of a sense of their excitement because um, obviously Ireland are not involved and <laughs> suddenly we're we're kind of the, the, the third wheel at these press conferences <laughs> kind of wheeling in and asking Razi Rasmus about a Munster. I think we've exhausted every Munster line out of Razi Erasmus and Felix Jones is still keeping a low profile. Uh, we should probably say, you know, Felix we do have an Irishman in the World Cup final, um, former Ireland International Felix Jones, former Munster coach, left Munster Got picked up by Raji Erasmus, got criticised, yeah, you know, well, maybe not criticised, but Joe Schmidt talked about how worried he was, but he needn't have bothered being worried because it didn't work out that way. I mean. It was still clearly bothering him, though. Was, like, whenever
0: was, he was asked about uh, Ronan O'Gara. Yes. And, you know, I don't think that answer was purely about Ronan O'Gara when he was talking about how uh, it would be disrespectful for him to go to Raj and ask him about uh, what he'd learned about New the Zealand from working it? in the Crusaders. Yeah.
1: Pretty um, good experience for him. I mean, South Africa don't do much of attacking, so the, being an attack consultant in there... Must <laughs> Sit somewhere after Munster. <laughs> but I wonder, will I, I have a little suspicion that we're going to see some sort of Joe Schmidt play pulled out in this, in this final to unlock England. I mean, he's got the playbook. Um, like, for him to come back into Irish be at some stage, I'm sure, he'll probably pick up a job somewhere else if he doesn't continue with the box. At some stage, he'll be back in Irish be no doubt. I mean, this, these three or four weeks of preparing for a work of final will definitely stand to him.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, you touched on it earlier that, you know, we haven't seen too much from them, but they do have a separate game plan. Like the fact that we came into this tournament thinking the box for the second or third best team in the world is essentially based on what they've shown in the rugby championship against the All Blacks, not when they're having these arm wrestles against Argentina and they can go from one to the other. So I hope that we do see more from them. And I think just purely from an Irish interest perspective it would be nice to see um, something from their attack so that we can sort of look to what Felix is broad in a we short hang, amount of time I could hang a thousand words on it yeah right, we'll, 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 we'll leave it we've gone on way,
1: way too long as ever but well, that's a good sign um, Luke is back tonight with uh, Ferguson and Will uh, with the, the, the ordinary left wing uh, which will there should be a deep, uh, deep, deep dive into Leinster 3 Zebra 0 which we're very excited to hear about from this side of the world but uh, from us it's goodbye and we'll talk to you later in the week as we look ahead to the World Cup final cheers, cheers. the left wing podcast in association with Aldi Spend €30
0: in store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school.